Few things are as frightful as the sight of a chainsaw-wielding maniac or a mob of brain-munching zombies. These monstrous characters are common tropes in horror films and haunted houses, which in normal years are popular Halloween season destinations. But what makes such fearsome experiences so compelling? Why do we actively seek them out in frightful recreational settings? New research accepted for publication in the journal Psychological Science reveals that horror entertains us most effectively when it triggers a distinct physical response, but it's not so scary that we become overwhelmed. I'm Charles Blue with the Association for Psychological Science, and you're listening to Under the Cortex. To help us sink our teeth into why humans seek out horror and fear, I have with me Mark Malmdorf Anderson and Matthias Clausen, both with Aarhus University in Denmark and authors on the upcoming paper, Playing with Fear. Yeah, hi Charles, uh, I'm, um, I'm Mark, and um, yeah, so we've been uh, looking at this, uh, this very interesting and, and somewhat paradoxical relationship between fear and enjoyment in our recent studies, and our most recent article that com that's coming out here in Psychological Science, Science is about this precise relationship between fear and enjoyment uh, and arousal in, in what we call recreational fear. Recreational fear. Again, that's something where it seems paradoxical, as you mentioned. Why should I be in the least bit interested in being frightened? What's, what's the attraction? Yeah, well, good question. So horror researchers and uh, psychologists have been asking this question for a long time. It does seem quite paradoxical. I mean, if you, if you look at uh, most handbooks on psychology, they will all tell you that fear is an emotion we have developed to keep us away from things that might harm us in, in different ways. But still, people seem to really enjoy being scared. I mean, if we look at the horror industry, it's booming, right? Uh, and right now we're in the Halloween season. People seem to get kicks out of fear. And, uh, and so our most uh, recent research tries to investigate uh, or how is it that we can extract enjoyment out of this fundamentally unpleasant emotion. Let's take a step back and talk about this entire horror entertainment industry. Why do we find this in the least bit attractive? Uh, Matthias, could you enlighten us a little bit on that? So I'm Mark's colleague. I'm Matthias Claesen, also of uh, Aarhus University in Denmark. And um, I've been fascinated with uh, scary entertainment for a very long time, precisely because it's so paradoxical, as you say. Why would people in their right mind seek out entertainment that's designed to uh, evoke fear and dread and anxiety and disgust and so on? Um, but certainly there is a huge industry. I mean, the haunted attractions industry in the U.S. alone is a multi-million dollar industry. Um, there are new horror movies coming out literally every week. Uh, people like Stephen King sell, sell millions of books, and there are many uh, horror video games. So evidently, there is a market uh, which suggests that there is an appetite, and it's this appetite and the exact psychological mechanisms that underpin recreational fear that we are interested in. Okay, I can understand that there's a demand and people like to seek this out, but it still has me confused as to why. Is that what you're trying to figure out with this most recent research? What is it about the horror that works just right in these situations of, of recreational horror? I think the, the end goal is to, to answer that big why question. And um, one of the things that we think is that uh, horror allows people to play with fear. And this is something Mark can tell you more about because he's a play researcher. So he, he studies uh, play scientifically. And in this particular study, we were interested in, 
in looking at uh, guests in a haunted house as people who were engaged in playful fearsomeness. Okay, Mark, could you give us a little bit more thoughts on that? I mean, if we're looking at what are these underpinning elements that the human brain seems to enjoy about this safe recreational fear? So in, in play research, there seems to be some kind of experiential attractiveness to moderate amounts of new information. So we know, for instance, that uh, the children and adults tend to be more curious if something surprises them a little bit, uh, more so than if something surprises them a lot. We also see it when children, for instance, engage in risky play, if they run really fast down a hill or climb high up a tree. What seems to go on there is that children are challenging themselves, pushing their own boundaries, but only to an extent we can see that they, they seek arousal when they engage in risky play. But if they get too much of an arousal, then they withdraw from play. We know that humans like novelty. Uh, and it seems that humans uh, are very attracted to moderate amounts of novelty. So, so the reason that Matthias and I hooked up uh, was essentially that, that so Matthias came to, to us and then said that he had this interesting phenomena at a haunted house where, you know, people pay money to, uh, to, to, to get scared. And so this model uh, of play just seemed very compatible, you could say, uh, on the outset already, that maybe this is a form uh, of adults playing with, uh, you could say, uh, bodily arousal in a way, playing with, with fear, much like children that engage in risky play. So this is almost like the Goldilocks zone of horror and fear that people are looking for. They want to get scared enough that they have this sort of visceral reaction, the, the blood pressure spikes, the pulse increases, all the things that would happen if there were like a, a tiger off in the bushes, but they know there's no real tiger there, but we simulate it enough to really spike whatever's happening within the body. Have I kind of nailed that? Yeah, you, uh, you kind of have developmental psychology. We do, we do talk about the, the Goldilocks principle, which is this idea that children seem attracted to, to just right amount of, of surprise. Um, and, and, and this is essentially also what we find in this new study, that people enjoy themselves the most if they are moderately scared. But if they are too scared, they, their enjoyment starts to, to plummet. And similarly, if they are not scared enough, then they, they thought it was boring to be, to be in the haunted attraction. So there seems to be this just right element when we ask our participants. Uh, but what's really interesting, I think, in our results is that we can see this in the, the heart rate signature of the participants as well. So, we oh, so you actually had, had real data as they're experiencing it. So real-time feedback of what's happening. Yes. So we equipped all of our participants with heart rate monitors before we sent them into the, the haunted attraction. And what we found was that, so when your heart races up and down, when your pulse increases and decreases a lot, that is what is related to participants saying that it was really scary inside the haunt. And that makes intuitive sense for most of us, right? We know that our pulse typically go up when we, when we, get, when we get scared. But, but another way of phrasing it would be to say, when the organism is very far from its expected state, you know, we all have an expected state. You and I have an expected state. It's probably in front of the computer with, you know, 70 beats per minute or something like that. That is how where our bodies expect to be. When we stray very far from that, condition, then it feels very unpleasant. And that's what we experience as fear. But what we then also see is that if we, if our BPM, uh, heartbeat per minute, just varies a little bit, goes a little bit up and down, 
in a 10 second jump scare at the haunted attraction. That is precisely what seems to be closely correlated with the enjoyment that the participants report. So there is this deviation from the norm when we're scared and that's where we can get some, some play enjoyment out of it. But is it because we recover quickly and can look back on it that we enjoy it more? Or if we hit that peak scare level that we want to hit, but it doesn't go down, what if those fears continue and keep it at that elevated point for a good period of time? Would that then become unpleasant? What we find is that the pulse needs to go up and down in a moderate way. So imagine that you, your beats per minute go up to 120 and stay there. That is not uh, what we find that, that relates to, to enjoyment in this study. What we find is that there, there, there has to be a constant moderate change if your physiology changes a little bit all the time. That is what we find enjoyable in the haunted attraction. So if um, a person were to jump out with a chainsaw and scare you, and then you got away, that would be great. But if a person jumped out with a chainsaw and chased you for the next 10 minutes, that would absolutely be what you don't want to experience. Yes, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Researchers have known for some years that, that physiological arousal probably plays a key role in, in explaining why so many humans uh, like these kinds of activities, you know, frightening movies, horror novels, Halloween-related events like haunted attractions. But, but our, what our study attempts to do is to, to evaluate what the direct relationship between arousal and enjoyment in these type of activities look like. And that has not yet been established. And... So you really are looking at the sweet spot, the Goldilocks zone for arousal and excitement as it pertains to being frightened. What does your research tell us then that we didn't really know before? We have assumed uh, for many years that arousal probably plays a very central role, but no one has really been able to establish uh, the direct relationship between enjoyment and fear. And that's what we try to do in this study. And what seems to be the case with human play is that when humans play, we, it kind of looks like a behavior where we are drawn uh, to or create situations that are characterized by having a just right amount of surprise. This is essentially, I think, what we find in this study where we investigate teenagers and adults we find that there seems to be a sweet spot of physiological change to physiological arousal that is tied to why we enjoy horror. So this is not just the appreciation of the story being told. It's not that, wow, this is a, a particularly spooky event. This is a particularly well-designed atmosphere. It's actually the physical changes that happen to the body that makes the difference between it being enjoyable or disquieting. It seems so. It seems that we enjoy horror when our body changes moderately over shorter periods of time. Whereas when our body changes a lot, when our heart rate goes up a lot and down a lot over longer periods of time, that is tied to fear and unpleasant sensations. Now, I'm a huge fan of haunted houses. As a matter of fact, I went to one just last weekend, told a great story, fun to walk through. People came out, they were running but laughing. Seemed like it, it ticked all the boxes you're talking about. But I've also seen reports of certain haunted houses that require waivers to be signed and they're, they're very, very hands-on and they try and push that boundary too much. And I personally would, would not in the least enjoy that. That would be well beyond my boundaries. Is this 
all consistent? Have you looked at that sort of extreme level of arousal as well? Yes, uh, we have considered looking at so-called extreme haunts. Uh, now, the haunted house phenomenon is fairly new to Denmark, to our neck of the woods. In the U.S., it's a, it's a really old tradition that goes back to the early uh, 20th century. Uh, but it's only within the last 10 years or so that we have had the good fortune of seeing haunted houses pop up in Denmark. Uh, we generally don't get uh, the extreme versions that you're more familiar with in the U.S., um, but we have haunted house where we do our studies do have special extreme nights that involve uh, some very transgressive um, things. I personally would never, never dream of going to an extreme uh, haunt, but it would be really interesting to see if the kinds of people who do go and visit extreme haunts are different. I mean, are there personality traits that predict whether somebody is likely to enjoy an extreme haunt or um, to what extent do people have different sweet spots and so on? It's, I don't think that's something we can say on the basis of this particular study, but it's certainly an interesting question. What seems to be the case, from at least from the haunted attraction that we uh, do a lot of studies in, it seems that the people who go to these extreme nights, you know, where their, their clothes are being ripped apart and they're being sprayed all over with blood. And uh, like, it, it's, a, it's, really, it's really transgressive, much more so than, than your normal haunt, which is pretty scary. So the people who, who go to these types of events, the extreme haunts, they seem to have been to quite a few haunts before. It may still be the case that these people are looking for their, their sweet spot, you could say, because they are experienced haunt goers. Your normal haunt will not excite them that much because they have seen it all already. So, so this is, in a way, uh, your pros uh, in, uh, in haunted attractions that, that you see uh, as participants on, on those specific uh, types of haunts. Uh, so a little bit jaded and you have to uh, up the arousal to maybe get the same experience a novice would get from their first haunted house experience. Yeah, I think so. If you had to bring three things into a haunted house to make it a success, something that people would absolutely enjoy at the right level, what are three magic ingredients? Three things to make a haunt successful. I would most certainly try to amp the expectations of my participants. Second thing is definitely a chainsaw. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the most famous character in the haunted attraction that we have uh, conducted our studies in is this very large man with a bloody butcher's apron uh, that wields a, uh, a chainsaw. He is responsible for a lot of participants quitting midway in the haunted attraction. So I think chainsaw is definitely on point as well. Then I think uh, variance really is what you need. You need to vary your the ways in which you attempt attempt to scare uh, your participants. Transgressive behavior is one thing, but you can do a lot with mood as well. You can do a lot with narrative. You can do a lot with jump scare. You can do a lot with, and that's what we see in uh, at least in the haunted attraction that we know very well by now. <laughs> okay, that's that's a good list. Matthias, do you have any additions or would you make it a substitution there for anything? Uh, no, I would, I would agree. I mean, these are not things that we have thought about much. We're mainly interested in this, the, the peculiar phenomenon of recreational fear and how and under what circumstances people can have a good time while feeling uh, fear, anxiety, dread, and so on. Uh, we have talked about studying those roughly 5 to 10% of, of guests who drop out to get a better grip on what is happening in their minds and in their bodies when they become overwhelmed, when they 
uh, tumble down the slope of that uh, sweet spot and end up in a in an abyss of I don't know, despair and and real pain. I love the idea of the chainsaw wielding maniac. It gives you both something visual, something surprise, and then there's this this roaring sound of the chainsaw. So you really are kind of assaulted among on multiple levels with that. Yeah, um, um, Mark and I and our third colleague uh, Colton Scribner, who, who also participated in the study. Uh, we, we took a tour of the haunted house just to get a better sense of, of how it all works. And I had seen it before, uh, both with the actors and with the effects and without. And I knew uh, that at a particular point, the guy with the chainsaw would, would, would come running at me. And he did. And I still felt that uh, clenching fist of panic in my, in my stomach. Um, there is something about that roaring sound of that uh, chainsaw in the darkness that just bypasses all all reason all rationality and just hits you right in the gut so a chainsaw definitely has to be part of it mark if somebody were to listen to this or read a paper about it what's one thing you really want them to walk away with that we show this uh, what this inverted u-shaped relationship between fear and enjoyment essentially that there is this there seem to be this sweet spot for fear where enjoyment is maximized i think in in sort of the history of, of horror entertainment, at some point, uh, you know, creators of horror have believed that the more horror, the better. And that is probably not the case. There's an, an, an experiential attractiveness to these moderate amounts of all kinds of stuff, including fear. And I think that is what I would want the, uh, the list to take away now that they are venturing into uh, the, the dark streets of, uh, of Halloween. Matthias, do you have any parting thoughts on what really makes horror something worth enjoying? Exactly what you just said. It's not uh, weird to find uh, horror entertainment enjoyable. And most people seem to find some pleasure in, in recreational fear activities, whether it's going on a roller coaster or watching The Haunting of Fly Manor on Netflix with their families or indeed visiting a haunted house. And uh, we've only kind of scratched the surface of the constructive uses to which scary entertainment can, can be put. Thank you very much for your time. I've been speaking with Mark Malmdorf-Anderson and Matthias Claussen. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having us, Charles. Thanks for the invitation.